Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, today we'll be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. I simply entitled this, Is Christ the Lord of Your Marriage? Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. And they use 1 Corinthians 13. I'd like to go back and ask them, well, have you practiced that over the year? Just year one. Like, were you kind? Were you, were you patient? But this unknown Arthur wrote this, and I love this. And, he, and he, he takes 1 Corinthians 13, and he goes, love is patient. So he's talking about agape love. Love is patient. That means that it has a long fuse before it blows. Love is kind. It provides some... Uh, it's beneficial for her needs. That's what your thought is, is what her needs are. And it is not jealous. It doesn't boil over easily. That's a big problem for a lot of men. Remember what he told you, you've got to put, put away anger. And, and because anger leads to wrath. Very quickly. And what did I tell you wrath was? Wrath is like a shotgun. It's going to leave carnage. It's going to do a lot of damage. And it's going to hit very quickly. And so you have to not allow things to boil over. He says, love does not brag, does not exhibit self-display. It's not conceited. A lot of men are conceited. A lot of men only care about what their needs are. Like, serve me. Like, I come from, when I, when I married my wife, she was a Hispanic wife. She's still Hispanic. And all, when I married her, I was going to say, but my my. My mom couldn't understand why she was getting up and feeding me. And my mom broke it. Like, she broke her within year, year two of our marriage. She's like, his, le his legs ain't broken. I was like, babe, can I have a sandwich? And she goes to get up and get a sandwich. And, and then my, my mom looked at her. She goes, Michael, your legs ain't broken. Teresa, sit down. Get up and make your sandwich. And from that point on, I had to get up and get my own stuff. <laughs> But that's how we are. We can be conceited as men. What are my needs? Oh, the game's on. I'm not going nowhere, right? That's how we can be, and so we, we aren't to be that way. It's not arrogant. You're not supposed to be puffed up and inflated with pride. It does not act unbecomingly. So that means that you don't have ugly, indecent, improper, rude, disgraceful, dishonorable behavior and if you do that in front of me what are you doing in your home if I'm just getting just a taste of it here I can't imagine what you're getting away with at the house how dare you 
How dare you? Uh, just FYI, you married God's daughter. Your father-in-law is not going to be happy. That's how you need to see her, as God's daughter. But if you're acting ugly and indecent and proper and rude and disgraceful and dishonorable to her, you and God need to do some work. It does not seek its own. That means that it's not about me. It's not about my self-interest. I want to make sure that she has what she needs. It's not easily provoked. That means that it, it, you're not touchy or irritable or contentious. You allow little irritations to create these massive arguments. It does not take account. This is a big one. What happens with a lot of marriages, we keep receipts. And what I mean by that is when arguments start, you start pulling stuff up from 10 years ago. You never dealt with it. You never dealt with it. You're hanging on to it. Oh, man. 22 years? I messed up. We were married. I got married at 17. First time we went into Christian counsel. Uh, we went into Christian counseling when we came, I came to know faith, and, and we wanted to work on trying to fix the marriage of 22 years of mess. And my wife, the first thing she said, we weren't in the, in, the, in the counseling session. We did a hello, how are you, and all that stuff. And then my wife, he goes, well, what has he done? When he was 17, and I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to take a while. We're going to be here a while because when I was 17, I made a lot of mess too. And, but it, you know what it, it made me realize? She, she had been hanging on to that hurt since she was 17 years old. She had been treated badly at 17. And, and I swore, oh, man, I'll never be like my father. By 17, probably three months into the marriage, I committed adultery. I was running the streets. I was just like my dad. Short fuse, always angry, brought five kids into the world. All they grew up with was just verbal abuse along with her. And see, God is, is, is trying to get you to go, hey, I can forgive all that stuff because you're my son now, you're my daughter now, but you need to start walking with me. You need to start submitting to Christ. Don't keep receipts on your wife. If there's something bothering you, sit down and talk to her about it. That's why when you're one flesh and you're communicating, it's not such a big deal. But when you never communicate, everything's a big deal. Everything's a big deal. Then he says, love never fails. And endures all things, right? Endures all things. It, it it's always continues the activity to, regardless of the resistance that we go through, we're going to get through it, babe. You need to be the one of encouragement. That needs to be you. You can't be like the sky is falling. You're the leader. Love never fails. It's, it's, it never comes to an end. And, and that is our eternal love with Christ. And he's saying, look, you, don't, you need to love her until I call you home to be with the Lord. Or you need to love him until I call you to be home with the Lord. Like, my mission's not done until I take my last breath here on earth because I'm not going to be married in heaven. There's no marriage in heaven. This is the only time you get to be married. It's here on earth, and we are making a mess of it, a mess of it. And I can tell you one of the biggest things that need to happen is you are, as a leader, you should be pursuing her and communicating with her. Do you pursue her the way you did when you were first chasing her? Is there, is there spiritual intimacy? 
But do you understand, like, all of that stuff has to happen here first, you and God. Spiritual intimacy, you're spending time in the Word, you're spending time in prayer. Is there emotional intimacy, you and God, crying out, telling them what's going on, I need help, this is what, what is happening, right? There we go, Apple's got opinions on marriage, right? No, I do not want you to keep reading. But then there's physical intimacy. And do you understand that physical intimacy has to happen here too? And what I mean by that is you're actually spending time with God. You're actually spending time in prayer. Physically spending time with God. See, men equate love with sex. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. And, and so we, we need to understand the love he's talking about is agape love. It's sacrificial love. It's the love that Christ has for the church. He goes on to say that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word and that he might present her to himself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. You are to sanctify her with the truth. In John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. It tells you are to wash her with the word. But if you're not even in the word yourself, what are you washing her with besides your insults? If you're not applying the word, you can't wash her with the word. Husbands, it's that, that journey from here to here. It has to come from here and stay in the heart, and you have to live it out. It's intimacy. It's intimate time with her. It's intimate time of washing her with the Word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, it says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. One of the things I know is that when I, when I look at that, it's like, am I, am I presenting her without spot or wrinkle with no blemish like look I tell people all the time you can point out everything that's wrong with me and I'm okay with that but not my wife I want to present her as glorious without spot or wrinkle without a blemish but that's not what we do you're pointing out all the things that she's doing wrong and I mean I know we all go through that at times when we get upset or things are happening and man I wish she would just do such and such and but there you go. You're, you're not presenting her without spot or wrinkle. You're putting her business on the street. And that's not what God's called you to do. He's like, hey, you treat her as I treat the church. You present her without spot or wrinkle. Holy. Glorious. And you can't do that without washing her with the word. You have to sanctify them with truth. Then it says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So godly husbands, you are to be the protector, meaning that you are to take care of her needs. She needs to know that she can trust you with her life, not just spiritually, because I don't think some of you probably even trust your husband spiritually with your life. But she needs to, to be able to trust you with the care of her life. You're to be proactive. A leader leads. Okay? I'm, I'm, guys, I'm just getting you ready for next week. Because you're going to be at the men's thing on Saturday. Those of you that are coming. And y'all better be glad I ain't teaching. You're getting it from me today. 
The way I look at it is like it, it, leadership requires communication. It requires you to take responsibility. Take the responsibility. God has ordained you to lead the house. You are the pastors of your home. Lead the home. Lead the home. You need to be precise in your decisions. Your yes must be yes and your no must be no. But your, your house has to be a place where you can rest and have peace and quiet. Meaning that, that not only your spouse, but your, your kids. It should be a respite, a place of respite care for them. It shouldn't be a place of stress. You're called to be the provider. But he also tells you in that verse there that you are to what? Nourish her. He is to nourish you. Meaning that, that a husband helps his wife reach her fullest potential in maturity in Christ. Most of you... Men, your wives are doing that. They're trying to lead you into maturity. That's not her job. You need to get, get moving and get it going because you're supposed to be nourishing her. You're supposed to be edifying her, encouraging her. And he is to cherish. You see that in as well as cherish. Is, it means to, one of the, the word actually in the Greek means to soften with heat. The way that you, when you touch chocolate, it starts to melt, right? Uh, and, and so it's supposed to be tender love. They're supposed to be loved and they're supposed to be like you're supposed to pursue her to want to be with her. Man, I love when my wife holds my hand. 37 years, I haven't gotten tired of that. Never will. I, I, you know, one of the things my kids always, my grandkids are like, no, Grandpa, don't kiss Grandma. But I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I've only got a little, limited time here on earth. I'm making the most of it. They need to see affection. The grandkids, the, the, the kids, they need to see you hug your wife and tell your wife you love her. Hug your kids, man. The one thing these kids aren't getting today, they're spending so much time on devices. They don't get love. They don't get physical touch. And they need that hug. They need that. Get them away from those devices for a bit. Buy them some Legos. Let them start using their mind in a different way. We're, we've, we've given, man, and I tell you what, I talked to, a, and, and I had a, the moment that, that I, I got done Sunday, and I was like, man, me and my wife, I, I told her, I said, hey, babe, I'm teaching on marriage this week, so get ready. Expect some tests, because usually whatever I teach, we go through. I go through, for sure. And so I said, hey, be ready, because expect some tests. It can happen. I got a phone call from somebody I've known for years, and it broke my heart. And, and I can remember them spending hours together talking. People would be leaving church. They'd still be outside talking. And now they don't even talk. The marriage is in turmoil. And, and they're spending all their time on these. They're in a relationship with these. They're not in a relationship with the husband. They're in a relationship with these. You need to put these away. You need to actually have communication with your husband and wife. You're, you're, that's what God's called you all to be, one flesh. But if, you, if you're spending all your time on that, you never communicate. Husbands, you got some work to do. You got homework. I'm sure, look, I'm telling you, I looked at this and I was going, man, I, got, I need to read work on some stuff. That's what it is. I, I bet you the wife thought, man, we were going to get it. Like they always submit. No, I'm going to hit the husbands because they're the leaders. But what does a godly marriage look like? Let's finish it up here as we finish up these last verses. For we are members of his body. Of his, of his flesh and of his bones. He is the head and we are the body, right? 
For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, there we get that verse again, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Isn't it amazing that Paul takes us back to Genesis, back to marriage, right? Leaving and cleaving. We are to leave our fathers and mother and cleave to each other. A lot of times what happens is people will see that verse and say, well, I'm not supposed to, I've got to stop talking to my parents. It's like, no, your relationship in your marriage is more important than the relationship with, the, with your parents. You're, you're leaving your parents and cleaving, leaving and cleaving to each other. Uh, marriage is an important uh, relationship in life. It should be held as a treasure. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, for where your treasure is, that's your heart will be also. God has my heart. He's number one in my life. He, he takes precedence over my wife. But my wife is next. And then my kids, right? And then I get to serve this church. But I never put my wife or my kids. I put the church first and then neglect them. I'm not doing that. My first, the first thing that God has blessed me with was marriage. And then he blessed me with kids. Too many pastors, too many people that serve in the church, you put your, your, your responsibilities of serving in the church over your family. And that's not what God ever intended. And so when we look at marriages, it's understanding that my, my heart belongs to Christ, but man, I love my wife, and she comes next. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, a good man out of the, uh, the good treasure of his heart Brings forth good things, and evil men out of his evil treasure bring forth evil things. Woo! Right? A good man out of his heart with good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of his treasures bring forth evil things. If you're bringing forth evil things, you're struggling with who your heart belongs to, God. We need to be very careful, like who we share our heart with. Uh, very, very quickly too, um, your relationship with your wife. So a lot of us now today, you work, the wives work. Uh, don't go to work telling your female friend or your male friend how bad your marriage is. Because eventually what will happen is you'll end up having an affair. You start talking about, oh, and they start feeling sorry for you. And the next thing you know, you're off running around. Because eventually you'll hit the right female or the right male that will want to talk beyond that. You need to be very careful with that. Your treasure belongs to God. Like God isn't your heart and your wife should be right next to it. But a lot of times what we do is we leave. We leave but we don't cleave. He's telling you that we are joined together. It's to be glued together as one. And, 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 and think about that just as a piece of paper. If we glued two pieces of paper apart and we try to pull it apart after it dried, what would happen? Pieces of the paper would be just missing. That's what happens to a heart in one flesh, right? That's why he says that there's so much hurt in that. When you think about that, you, you, we have to be careful that we don't, uh, don't forget that the, the relationship is to be opened. That's why we were... At the beginning in Genesis 2.25, and they were both naked and man and wife were not ashamed. They were open. They were talking. They were communicating. And then man, whatever Adam's deal was, forgot what the command was. 
or didn't, per, didn't give the command to Eve. And this is the mess that we're in. But we need to have openness, which leads to a close cleaving union. That's why he told us back in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. That's why we don't keep receipts. I forgive you. Man, let me tell you something. My wife sometimes, I've told you all this, she can be a sniper. And what I mean by that, when she wants to get to your heart and say something, it's like a sniper shot. It's like, it just knocks you down. Boom. And you're like, man, where did that come from? And she's, she's sharing something with me like, hey, you need to check this. This behavior or this thing that you, you, need, to, you, need, to, you need to get with God. And it hurts. Don't get me wrong, it hurts. But because of our closeness, because of our openness, who am I going to hear it from more than my spouse that I've been with since I was 16 years old? She's my best friend. If she can't tell me something, what am I doing? But she does it very tenderhearted. It just hurts because it's real. It's true. And it needs to be confessed or it needs to be dealt with. Maybe I joke with the kids wrong or I, you know, or I was playing or grandpa said something he shouldn't have said. You know, um, I'm human. I've told you all this. I don't try to sit up here like I got my feet are made of clay just like you. I'll be real with you, but I, I ask you to be real with me. But we have to have that openness. We have to be kind-hearted, tender-hearted. We have to be forgiving. We have to be able to forgive one another because Christ forgave us. And he finishes saying, this is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each one of you in particular, so love his, his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So twice, God, we get it. Okay, guys? Apostle Paul says to do what? Twice, to love. What do men struggle with? Love. Love. And if you're here today and you go, man, I'm struggling with that. I'll pray. God will help you with that. He'll help you with that. I promise you that. You need to be redeeming your time and your marriage. Y'all have no clue. And, and, and we have widows that are in this church that would gladly, gladly take one more day. And yet you're acting like a buffoon and not being loving. Men, you need to love her. You need to wash her with the word. You need to serve her. You're the, you're, you're the leader of the home, so you're the least of the home. You're there in service. Amos chapter 3, verse 3 says, do, do, uh, do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? You need to be emotionally invested in your marriage. And that happens through intimacy with God. It happens through intimacy and your communication. And men, you need to listen. Part of leadership is listening. Some of you, your wife tells you something and you just jump to it. And, and she's like, I'm just telling you because I need to tell you. You're trying to figure out the problem already. You need to slow down. And if you don't understand that, I, me and my wife made a deal. I told y'all this. Uh, babe, if this is one of those moments you just need to me, me to listen, can you tell me that? Because in my head, I'm trying to solve the problem for you. And she's like, no, I just need you to listen. Okay, let me hear it. So, but hey, it's all communication. It's all communication. 
And then finally, women, as, as we see y'all's, as if you were looking at application, wives submit. But understanding that your husband's submitting to God as well. He's supposed to be. And then respect. If you don't respect your husband, he's going to have a hard time loving you. He's going to have a very hard time loving you. And communication. Encourage him. Let him lead. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to make mistakes. Can you forgive him? As Christ forgave you. But man, y'all need to communicate. That means when you're making decisions, make them talk to each other. Make, make time to actually hear her out. And then you make the decision. And, and it's all being led by Christ. It's all based on us being led by Christ. I know this was a hard teaching. I know that some of you wanted to run out the door. Um, and I appreciate your patience as we go through that. Most pastors will absolutely... I'm not teaching that one. But we're verse by verse. So that means if, if like we come to verse next week, we'll be in chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 1. So we can't skip it. That's the beauty of going verse by verse. You don't get to skip things that you don't want to talk about. It's important. And some of y'all may need prayer. Uh, if you want us to pray for your marriages, we're here. If you need prayer, I'm here. I'll pray with you. Um, and, and so me and Teresa will be up here. Uh, I'm going to pray and close us out. Thank y'all for your, your patience and being here. I thank y'all for coming. But let's pray and let's pray for your marriages and pray for the families. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 